Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, JP, with Views from the Porch, and I am here with the David Marvelous That's Marvin. That's right. <laughs> and Elena Haas, whose microphone is struggling. <laughs> hey, guys. And uh, today, we are talking about... Well, actually, why don't you tell us, David, what are we talking about today? We are talking about your J-O-B, job, work. What does it look like to follow Jesus in the workplace? And covering some of the most common questions that we get as it relates to a career path, a work environment, your job, et cetera, et cetera. So you can't follow Jesus at work. Like you got to keep that in, in su- on Sunday, and then you go to work, and then you that's you my motto. follow Jesus on Sunday. Yep, keep I, work at work. I know it is. That's yep. why we're losing listeners by the thousands. <laughs> oh man, is Watermark the only place you've ever worked? You talking to me? Yeah. You know it's not. I know. I I worked in the corporate world for five years, and before that, let's see, out of college, I sold gym memberships. I had like eight jobs in two years out of college. So I worked at uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Managed an Abercrombie. I sold gym memberships. Uh, I worked at a graphic design firm, and then I was in telecom, and that's where I spent uh, the rest of my stint in the corporate world. Did you have a job in high school? Oh, yeah. I worked for Courtesy Car Wash and Champ Sports for five years. So yeah, at, in did. Victoria, was worked in the mall at Champs, sold them Jays, sold them Jordans, and then transferred to Waco and worked in the mall there for another two years. So. Dude, I love it. Do you have a job? Do I have one? Did you have one in high school? Yeah, I had hostessing jobs. That was all the rage in high school. All the rage. Yeah. Red I was, lobster. I had two hostessing jobs. I ho- Well, I hosted at Carabas. Do you guys, is there Carabas in Texas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, there's one on the toll road. Well, there's a ton more in Florida, I think. I don't see a ton here. And then it was like this other seafood restaurant in Cocoa Beach. Red Lobster. It's a big deal. Red Lobster. It wasn't a chain. I uh, I delivered Chinese food for three years, guys. Delivery boy. On a moped. On a, I wish I had a moped. It would be better than the car I drive, 1990 Pontiac Sunbird. Oh yeah. man, you and every other young high school girl. No, 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 no. They would be. They were driving the Sunfire. This is the cousin, not as cool Sunbird. They don't make them anymore. Yeah, man, that, was, no. that was a trip. All right, we'll save that for another time. But let's talk about some of the uh, the big ones and just kind of dive right in. And um, here's a question that will come up often, and it's simply this: How do I know when it's time to leave my job? How do you know when it's time to leave your job? I mean, that's a good question because I think the biblical answer is very different from the worldly answer. And so I think one thing that we are trying to do through this podcast is to present what's called a biblical worldview. That is, how do you see the world if, if you're on a deserted island and all you had as a primary source of wisdom was the Scripture, the Bible, uh, was, was God's instruction for your life? And there has to be some undoing. And so just how would you say the, the world says you should leave your job? Or when, I should say. When you're not passionate about it, when you have an opportunity to make more money. I mean, those would probably be the, the biggest two that I, I hear. Yeah. So so neither of those, like let's start there, right? It's neither of those things. I don't think it's as simple as that, that you would ever leave your job just simply because you're solely not passionate about, about it or simply because uh, you want to make more money. 
And can I tell you a story? Yeah, of course. Okay, so there was a guy, there was a young adult that we were teaching this idea, and it's just very radical that um, you could have an opportunity to make more money and you wouldn't pursue it. Doing something you love and you're more passionate about, it's it's very radical idea that's like, no, stay in the job that you're in, um, which is possibly the correct advice. And so there was a guy who worked for a job. His boss and him did not get along at all. She was she was really unfair to him. Um, he didn't make as much money as he thought that he could or should make. And, um, and so this other opportunity came working for another guy. I'll just call him John. And so John's company was hiring. It was a raise. It was a promotion in every way. And it was working for a friend. And so this was a no-brainer to my buddy. And he presented to his community group. And he sat with some men wiser than him. And one of the guys just said, hey, why would you leave? And, and it was so obvious to everyone else in the room why he would leave. But this wise man who loves God's word just said, hey, God has you there. Like, has God called you to leave? You know, it sounds like you're running from something. And and I understand that there's a better scenario out there that you might argue I'm running to something. But it, it, what makes you think that your ministry there is, is done? You still have ministry opportunities there. And this just blew everybody's mind. Now, fast forward the tape. And because uh, he ended up taking that guy's advice. And what no one could see was going to happen happened. And um, the... His boss's son um, got in, had a tragedy happen in his life. The boss reached out to my friend and said, hey, can you help my son? I know that you go to church, and, and can you just begin to speak truth? His boss ends up becoming a Christian. Okay, changes. He ends up getting promotion promoted. Um, he you know, starts to make more money there. And then if you look on the other side of the fence, the company that he was going to, it went bankrupt. The friend that was going to hire him ended up... Uh, in a lawsuit, and like all this tragedy happened on the other side of the fence. And so this wise man who said, no, stay where you're at, bloom where you're planted, God has you there for a reason, was right. Now, I, I, that story has ministered to me through the years. It doesn't answer your question when you can leave. But I think it's, a, it's if, if you're always asking the question from a Christian worldview, it's like, hey, where can I do the most ministry? Where is the greatest opportunity for me to bring glory to God? Acts 17 says that God has determined when you live and where you live. Like he has given you your boundaries and time and space. And so our job is why does is to ask the question, why does God have me here? And what does faithfulness look like? And so um, you know, the the other scripture that speaks into this is Colossians 3, that whatever we do, we're to work at it with with all our heart as though we're working for the Lord because the Lord Jesus Christ we're serving, not man. And we're going to receive our reward at the end of this race from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what does it look like to work hard for God in our current role? And I think you leave when you have another, a better ministry opportunity or you know, the Lord is is taking away a job, you get fired, um, there's an opportunity for you to be more generous potentially, that may be how you would look at the finances. So maybe here's another way to ask the question. What are some things to consider when, uh, let's say you have freedom, let's say you're you're exploring grad school. This happened last night. Somebody at the porch came down front. They're, they're going to med school, and they're exploring grad school locations. Or let's say they're exploring job opportunities that are coming up. And what are the things that you would be mindful of if, when considering taking a job or, or moving to a new city for a grad school or for fill-in-the-blank? Yeah, I think, you know, are they asking me to sin? 
is that is is something that I have to do in my current job sin or is the job that I'm considering is it sin? Uh, what are the opportunities for me to advance the gospel there? How can I live up my faith there? Do they allow me to meet my own personal needs so that I'm not a burden financially to someone else? Do they allow me to provide for my family? The scripture says anyone who does not provide for their family is worse than an unbeliever. Um, do they allow for me to be generous, to tithe, to contribute to local ministry? Uh, do they allow me to serve with the gifts that God has entrusted to me? Is that is it so demanding that I have nothing left for the church when that that's the reason that God gave you those gifts? And so those are all things I, I think to take into consideration. Yeah, that's good. The only other one I'd add would be church. Yeah. A lot of people move to cities or, or really think about what you're leaving behind. If you're moving from being connected to a local church, connected relationally to other body, um, other members of the body of Christ, and you're moving to X place, yeah. uh, North Carolina or you know South Dakota, do you know that there is a Bible-believing church there, and are you ready to get plugged in and dive in there? And if not, think about what you're leaving behind. Yeah, I I think that goes to that question, too, of am I running from something or am I running to something? Do you know what I believe is the number one reason why people leave their job? Money. Because it's hard. Yeah, that's probably you know, true. And so, and Genesis tells us it's going to be hard. And so, if you think about it, you you worked before the fall. So, before sin ever entered the world, God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and He told man, "Hey, I want you to work it, and uh, to cultivate it, to to work the ground, to name the animals." And so, He had a job, and yet the world is perfect. There's no sin there. And then, when sin enters the world, Genesis three, the consequence of that sin is now your work is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to work the ground, and it's going to fight against you. It's not going to let you work it. And so now when we're in a job and we're hard, and it's hard, we're like, oh, something must be wrong. No, work's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be challenging. There's a grind to it. And now as, as redeemers uh, of you know the kingdom, we try to remove the drudgery, the pointless challenges in work. Um, we, we don't want to just make work difficult so that it can be difficult, but there is an aspect of the fall of sin entering the world, a consequence to it, that makes our work challenging. And, and can I tell you something to my, my millennial friends, I would just say, and this was an important lesson for me to learn first, is that's why they pay you. <laughs> You know, that's why they are giving you money to be there. Because if if it was fun and you enjoyed it, that's a hobby, and they wouldn't pay you to do a hobby. Like you might like to wakeboard, and they and so you wakeboard for fun, but you work for money. They they pay you to be there. So yeah. So the tension there is a lot of people are going. Or it, we've all heard the adage, "Hey, find something you love. You'll never work a day in your life." Yeah. You heard the saying before. So, and I think a lot of people go, "We live in a free country." You can find there are people out there who love what they do, and you're kind of painting a picture that makes it sound like it doesn't matter if you love what you do. There's nobody out there who always loves what they do. And so email me on that or email me at, at dmarvin at... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, you know, I run into this all the time, and so I've met with tens of thousands of young adults over the past 10 years, and, and I hear this all the time, like, dude! got a new job. I love it. Oh, it's so amazing. It's the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, my my boss is so great and it's fantastic and where I work and you should see the office and the benefits. Oh, the benefits. And then you bump into that person like two months later. It's like, man, so how's the job going? Oh man, I hate it. I I quit. (laughs) I'm doing something else. It's like, what? I thought you loved it and the benefits and your boss and the car and the place. And so I I think, um, you know, watch that person who loves their job over time. And so at 30,000 foot, they may love their job like, hey, I'm producing something that I think is helpful, 
but I have really hard days and challenging days, and there's certainly times I want to quit, and um, that's that's the reality. And so everybody's job has aspects to it that they don't enjoy, that they don't like. Yeah, it's good. And man. and I do think you have a lot of freedom and a lot of options, but you need to consider first the ministry opportunity because the gospel has always moved forward on commerce and work. You know, if you think if I if I say, hey, I want to go to Saudi Arabia to share the gospel, they're not going to let me in. But if I say, hey, I want to go to Saudi Arabia to, you know, be employed at an oil company, um, they're going to let me in. And, you know, and to add to their economy, um, you know, they'll welcome that. And then if I bring the gospel with me, then it it moves forward on work. So it really is an opportunity for you to be a light. So on that note, what, what role should salary play? In other words, if I get an opportunity to make more money, do I incorporate that at all into the way that I process changing jobs? Yeah, I think it's the same question as what role does money play in our lives? I mean, money is a tool, and so it's an opportunity for us to be generous. It's an opportunity for us to meet our own personal needs and to help out with the needs of others. Um, as I said earlier, just to, to provide for our immediate family. Um, and so in, in taking that consideration, if, if one job you, you can't make ends meet, and in another job, um, you're able to be generous and you know make ends meet, and they're not asking you to sin. I, mean, I, th- I think that's fine for that to play a role. But the reality of it is, is a lot of times we just look at that number without any of that consideration. We're not being generous in the first place. I mean, there's people that are listening right now. They're like, "Hey, I'm a Christian, but I've never given money to the church or to, you know, I've helped out with others. I mean, I, I'm my money is so that I can have a nicer suit, a nicer car, a nicer watch, a nicer bag." And that's that's this really worldly, pagan, non-believing living, and I would I would be really careful. I love it. Okay, so we got a lot of young adults that uh, are trying to stand out at work, or they at least should be. And by stand out, I don't mean just their faith. I mean, how do you become someone who pops in the eyes of your employer if you're working at Deloitte, or you're working at Starbucks, or you're working at you know fill in the blank nonprofit or for profit company? What are some of the things that you would say? Man, if you do this, you are going to stand out if you want to excel because the generation that we're a part of is known as entitled. They're known as um, self-focused. They're known as uh, a a lot of good things, but a lot of also dangerous things that don't make them the best at submitting to authority. And so what what are some of the advice you would say to young 20-something who is a follower of Christ, but he's trying to stand out at work and he's trying to thrive and survive there, what would you tell him? I would start with saying, hey, I, I don't think that you're entitled, and I don't think you know that, that um, you're lazy, and I don't think that you struggle to, to submit to your authority, or, or I, I know that there's a desire in you not to, first and foremost. And so I know that you've been created by God who loves you and has a plan for your life, and I believe that he wants to use you to change the world, to literally build the kingdom, to impact this place for his name and his fame and his glory, and that's your purpose. And when you begin to live that out, you're going to start to see, uh, one, his kingdom, but two, feel so alive because you're living within your purpose. And so a way to do that in the context of your question is to work really hard, um, to learn a skill. I think that's the the other thing that we lose sight of is, is that... Um, that there's a progression at work. You're not good at it first. It's like the when you tried to ride a bike and you fell off. That there's um, you, you can't just I can't just you know strap on a snowboard for the very first time in my life and step up to the Olympics and expect to ride the half pipe and and to get a gold medal. That's not the way anything in life works. 
And so you work hard at it and you learn a skill and you get better at that skill and you hone that skill. And then you're, you know, you're the income that you can make because of that skill increases. And, and, uh, and so work hard is, is a direct answer. Like I said, Colossians, um, you know, chapter three earlier, I heard a story of a guy that I, I love and another one that I come back to is, is he was, um, he was triple promoted. So he's promoted three times, really quickly climbed the ladder and he was threatened to um, be fired twice because of the way that he shared his faith. And it's a, such a beautiful picture that you see both that, that the company, he's clearly uh, so good at what he does and works so diligent that they want to promote him. They have no other option but to, to give him more and more opportunities of influence, and he's so bold with his faith that they've threatened to fire him and let him go twice, that both of those things sit there. You rarely wow. ever see that, right? Yeah. You almost always see the guy that's so obnoxious with his faith, but he's also lazy, and so nobody wants to follow his God because he shows up late, and he's not very good at what he does, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, but he's constantly talking about Jesus, and he makes Jesus unattractive. You see that, and then you see the person who works hard. They get there early. They stay late. Um, you know, they they drive the the Bentley. They they have the nice car, the nice suit, the nice watch, the nice things, um, because they've you know they sold their soul to corporate America. But rarely do you see the person who's passionately following Christ and working really hard. Yeah, it's good, man. Uh, you could say all of that, and if you follow Jesus as it relates to your work life, you are going to pop because you're going to be faithful. You're going to work hard. You're going to be respectful of your coworkers respectful of the authorities over you. And uh, Titus 2 says you're going to make all things, or you're going to, by all the things that you do, make the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ more attractive to people. So that's good. Uh, on that note, I know you've uh, uh, been in corporate America and you face that the struggle is real to share your faith without either getting reported to HR, or getting written up, or, or just getting uh, you know, authorities over you or coworkers alongside of you frustrated. There's even some stories that come to mind. I've, I've heard you share firsthand, but how do you share your faith without getting reported to HR? And I, should that even be a factor? Maybe no, just... I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that the goal. I mean, I would share your faith faithfully, and if you get if if you get reported to HR, and so be it. Uh, you know, I th I think in and so the question there is like, but I thought I was supposed to submit to my authority. Submit to your authority when it doesn't contradict your ultimate authority of God. And so God commands us over and over. To be a light, to um, to share the gospel, to pray that Paul says, pray that doors would open for me so that I could uh, share the 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 riches of Christ. And so I would say, you know, do that, make that as a first priority as you're working hard, and don't worry about being turned into HR or whatever might happen thereafter. And you could always ask questions of of Hey, you know, how do I, you know, how do I be good at what I do and have opportunities to share the gospel? The truth is. Corporate America and, and most businesses and most places that you work, I mean, they're about their profit and loss. They're about their um, their bottom line. And if you're producing income for the company and you're good at it, uh, you're going to have a lot of freedom. They're going to be like, well, if you talk about Jesus, so be it. I mean, I've worked for a pagan company uh, where it wasn't ran by Christians, um, but I was a producer in the sales world. And they're like, hey, as long as you're producing, you go ahead and talk to Jesus and play at your church and do whatever you want. Uh, just keep putting up those numbers. And so I think that's a, a really key factor. How do you not get turned into HR? You you become good at what you do. I, I will kind of say that quick story I think you were talking about. Yeah. I'll say it in short format. It's a longer story. But at one time, I, I was just promoted into a new organization. My um, mentor was twice my age. 
And I shared Christ with them as we were driving to an appointment, and he threatened to turn me in HR. He was, we didn't know each other. It turns out he was Jewish, and uh, he just said, hey, that's inappropriate for the work environment, and if you ever ask me again about my faith, I'm going to turn you in HR. And uh, a year goes by, and we didn't really talk about Jesus. I was a new believer. But I invited him to this um, this deal that we had called the North Dallas Business Luncheon at my church. And he didn't read the invite. He didn't realize it was at my church. He just saw Business Luncheon, and he came with the rest of my team. And when he came, the guy began to talk about Jesus and talk about two books. And um, and he, he pulled me aside afterwards and said, hey, I didn't know what you were bringing me to today. And I said, I know. I was really surprised you came. And he goes, yeah, I didn't read the email. And he goes, but that guy was making sense, and I'd like to read those books he referenced. I just went on Amazon, had them sent to his house. He read one of them, which was more than a carpenter. He ended up giving his life to Jesus. He got baptized. His wife got baptized. His daughter got Amazing. baptized. It was like New Testament story. And so, you know, that that was God being faithful in the midst of me being unfaithful. Like I said, a year went by, and I didn't share with him. But God was just like, hey, I love, I love this guy, and I'm going to save him. And so just play a role, play a part. I love it. There's a, a girl who serves at the porch. She's a teacher. She keeps a uh, like an Avenger cube or something, one of those like cheesy tools to share the gospel that you use on international trips. And uh, because she's a teacher, she can't openly talk about her faith, and she kind of walks that tightrope and and uh, navigates the waters of being a public school teacher. And she gets around it by just putting that thing on her desk. And anytime someone wants to ask her about it, she's not initiating the conversation, and it's led to all kinds of spiritual conversations with her students because they say, what is that? Oh, you want to know about this Evangel cube? Well, this is a cube that tells you the story of how the God who's there loved you. He died for you. He gave his life so that you would have it. And so whatever that looks like inside of your work context, we have a responsibility to steward the message of eternal life and really uh, of the abundant life that Jesus offers. So that's good, man. Um, What would you say to someone, and I hear this often, that... uh, the workplace environment that I'm a part of is really, really dark. And so I think I just need to leave. I need to go somewhere else because it's too dark there. Yeah, I would say awesome. You know, God put a light there, right? That's what he says in Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine before men so they may see your, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so uh, I'm not surprised that God put a light in a really dark place. I would just say like corporate America is the darkest mission field that I've ever been to now. In saying that, keep in mind, I've been to Africa, I've been to the, the jungles, you know, they always talk about the Bushman in Africa. I've, I've been with that guy. I've, I've been to the Amazon jungle. I've gone down the, the Amazon river, you know, six days on a boat to get off at a village and, and uh, share Jesus. I've been to Haiti and the mountains in Haiti and in the cities in Haiti and, and in the villages of Haiti and in Mexico and all different places around the world. And the darkest mission field I've ever seen was in downtown Dallas in, in corporate America. And, um, and I would tell you that um, it's, it's hard to get to Haiti or to Africa or, or to Brazil, um, but it's much more difficult, in fact, impossible for me to go to the eighth floor of the building that I worked on downtown. You have to go through two security checkpoints. You have to have a badge. You have to have credentials to get in there. And I had those credentials at one time. I was there every single day. I was bumping against those people every single day. Uh, they were inviting me to happy hours you know, uh, every weekday of, of my life. And now I can't even go there, you know, because I don't work there anymore. I'm not employed there. And so God had me there for a purpose. And you just need to start your worldview as it relates to work with, hey, God has placed me where I'm at for a purpose. What is the purpose? Have you ever seen that um, 
Have you ever seen the movie The Informant? Uh, yeah. It's with um, uh, what's the guy's Matt name? Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. And so uh, it's a, it's based on a true story. And so he worked for uh, a company, and um, they were involved in the largest price fixing um, scandal in America's history. And the FBI went to Matt Damon, who was the COO, I believe, at the time, or the CFO. He's the went CFO. to Matt Damon's character. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Um, but yeah, it was Matt. They went to Matt Damon's the character that Matt Damon was playing, and they said, "Hey, can you help us? Um, you know, we we want to bust this organization, and we'd love for you to work for us." But while you're working there, while you're employed there, you're actually working for the federal government. And so you can imagine just the, the way that that changes everything, that, that, that this guy, he's doing the exact same job he's always done, uh, but, but now he's working for this higher power. He's undercover there, and he has to report back to them, and, and he has to, you know, he goes into information. He has to be nice to everyone at the office and, and do his job really well so that he can gather information and report back to this, you know, commanding officer, if you will, with the, the FBI. And that's what I think about our job is. Whatever we're doing, whether we're a teacher or a barista at Starbucks or um, – you know, anything that we could be doing that, that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth has put us there as an undercover agent to meet with people, to talk with them, to share with them, to love on them, to do our jobs really good, and then report back to him, you know, folks that, that he uh, wants to save. And so. All right, dude. Hey, uh, a few other things that I know that uh, I've heard. uh, One comes from a book that we've read. If you're in your twenties, man, take a job and work for education, not for money. Work a job for education and not just for money. What are you going to learn there? What are the traits and qualities that are going to be with you for a lifetime? Robert Kiyosaki said that. Yeah. And uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is, I don't know where he stands spiritually, but uh, I do think there's there's something there. It's just like, hey, what does it look like to learn a skill? Something else you had asked um, once upon a time is just like, what do you do when you don't love your job too? And so I, I think that's relevant you know, for these guys. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention anything on that. No, I, I think uh, we hit a little bit of that. But anything you'd add on? Yeah, I, th- I just think I, I would. I would say realign your expectations. Like you don't necessarily need to love your job. Um, it's it's work, and a lot of times, if you don't love it, it's it's just your perspective. So, yeah. and like you said, nobody loves their job all the time. That's right. Nobody, and uh, and so just know that there's going to be a grind no matter what job. The grass is seems greener, and you're going to get over there, and it's not going to be. And there's just going to be times. Anything else that you would uh, say to that subject? No, no. I think that I think you know that's it. Just just realign your expectations. And and so much of loving your job is a choice. That's the reality. And God is less concerned about where you work, generally speaking, and more concerned about how you work, where you work, wherever you're waking up today or tomorrow and headed into the workplace. It is not where you work, but how you work, where you work, that gives you the opportunity to honor God. Um, All right, I think that's it. Love it, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in today as we talked about work on Views from the Porch, and we will see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.